Good morning, church. Again, I guess I was already up here once before. I did have a question that I should have told you at announcements. If you want to make a check out for the EEM donation, verifying with Dave as I'm saying it, you can make it out just to EEM, right? You don't have to write out the full name. Okay. But you can also write a check to the Riverton Church and put it in that, and we'll know as well. So. Okay, so you can just make it out to the church. There you go. There's your simple answer. Just make it out to the church. All right, guys. Well, welcome to December. You can tell we've got pointy red things and beautiful flowers and a tree out there. So it must be December, right? I hope you had a good Thanksgiving a few weeks ago. Um, I hope you're not tired of it yet. I'm still doing this series. We're getting there. Um, This series has been a really, really good one, I think. And I think I've gotten some good feedback on it, so I hope you guys like it. But this is our mission statement. And what I've been doing is I've been sharing about our mission statement here in the sermons. And obviously, we have the mission from Jesus, which is to go into all the nations and make disciples. Or his mission statement that he gave to us was seek and save the lost, right? But this is how we, the Riverton Church, do it. And so our mission is that we are striving to become the kind of church described in the Bible, a church with relevant teaching, heartfelt worship, honest friendships, constant prayer, and compassionate care for those in need. And I've been sharing about this mission statement. Mission statements are important to people. Lots of companies have them, and that's how they know what they're working towards, right? But even more so to us Christians, we have it because we have a purpose in our life. We have a mission that we're on. We're not just here happily on Sunday and then nothing else like we talked about in Bible class. We need to go do and work and share the gospel, right? So that's this whole idea of mission. That's why I've been talking about it. And last week in this mission statement, I broke down the idea of heartfelt worship and the week before relevant teaching. But last week I talked about heartfelt worship and how when we we gather together as the Lord's people, We come and we worship with our whole heart, happily, joyfully, and let me see what else I had here, and we're thankful. We come together to worship the Lord, not ourselves. We're happy about it, and we're so thankful for all the blessings. So this week, I want to talk about the next one in the list there, heartfelt worship and then honest friendships. We want to have honest friendships here at the Riverton Church. And when I started thinking about this topic, I was like, how do I talk about friendship? How do I talk about that in a a biblical sense? Do you see why I kind of was like, huh, I don't know what to think about that. So I I started thinking and I again, seeking out, praying to God, looking in scripture about how I was going to look at this next piece, how I was going to look at honest friendship. Because I know friendship is important. I know that friendship in our world is huge, right? As humans, we are used to having a community. We thrive on a community. And some of us might be introverts and we have a community of one and a half. But we still need that community in some way, don't we? Well, think about last two years, a year and a half, however long ago, was when the whole world thought we needed a quarantine and so we sucked in for two weeks. That had lasting effects on people emotionally. 
They didn't get to connect with their friends. They didn't get to have those friendships in a physical sense. They could still make phone calls, but we all know that's not exactly the same. We're all tired of Zoom calls. And at that point, we started to see the effects of what taking honest friendship out of someone's life will do. Friendship is so important, and we know that as humans. C.S. Lewis has a quote about friendship that I really like, so I just had to put it in here someplace. Friendship is born at the moment when one person says to another, what? You too? I thought I was the only one. How true is that, right? You're friends over something in common that builds into a lifelong friendship that we thrive on as humans. We thrive on friendship. It's key to us being healthy humans. But again, I have the struggle. What does the Bible have to do with friendship? This is a sermon, not just to feel good. Well, little did I know, God was going to show me a lot of friendship throughout Scripture. God designed friendship, believe it or not. Don't believe me? Turn to Genesis chapter 2. We're a whole two chapters into the entirety of the Word of God. And if you don't know what's happened in chapter 1, basically God got busy making everything. He made everything, right? From the sky and the stars to the earth that we live in with its water and its land. He didn't stop there. He made the plants and the flowers and the birds and the animals. And as we conclude chapter 1, God creates human. He makes man in his own image. He makes man. Then we get to chapter 2. We just created everything. In the beginning of chapter 2, God takes a break. <laughs> he rests. That's what we read about the seventh day. And then right after that, we have this verse, Genesis 2.18. This is out of the ESV. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Right in the second chapter of the Bible, man has just been made, and it's one lonely dude called Adam, right? Man. But God says he should not be alone. He needs a helper. And so there in the following verses, we see the creation of woman, Eve. And then Adam has a helper. He has what most of us would think right away, a spouse, because that's our example of a husband and wife for the first time ever. They are together, and they make it official. But what about more than that? Was that not also his best friend? Was his spouse not his new partner for life, good or bad? Well, that's about to happen. But they had a friendship and a bond and a community from that moment on. And that's what marriage should be about, too. So they're not two separate ideas, are they? Hopefully everyone in this room, at least at some point, says, yeah, my spouse is one of my best friends or my best friend. And if you don't think about your marriage as a friendship at times, maybe that's something you should try and rekindle and develop. Because right here in the beginning, God created not only a wife, but a friend. So does the Bible have anything about friendship, companionship, teamwork? Uh, absolutely. I'm only two chapters in, right? Adam and Eve, I think, were great friends. I think we should be too. But what about the rest of the Bible? Did God just make one friendship and leave it there? Well, no, he, he sprinkles throughout all of the Word 
many thoughts about friendship. I'm going to stick in the Old Testament for just a second in Ecclesiastes. You've probably heard this one also in a marriage ceremony before, right? Let's read it together. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 10. You've probably heard this verse a few times, or these verses. Two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. Again, you've probably heard this one in a wedding. They might have done something cute afterwards and taken three cords and tied them together and, you know, they framed that and put it on their wall. That's cute. But is this an, a marriage-exclusive verse? Not at all, actually. It's a good verse when you're talking about companionship and friendship, but that's as far as it goes into marriage. It gets a little awkward because it says lie together, but we know that's for warmth. It's right there, right? This is a verse about working together as friends. Friends are effective. Friends can get more work done. They'll help each other up when they fall. And if someone's coming against them, they might take out one, but they're not going to take out two. They're a team. The friendship bond is the cord that is not easily broken. And I, again, our marriages should be deep friendships, but that's what that cord is. Unite it with God, that's the third, and you've got something that cannot be broken. So God created friendship, and he continues to share it all throughout Scripture. This is the Old Testament. I'm going to go to the New Testament here in just a minute. I think friendship is a profitable thing to have. So when we go to our mission statement, honest friendship, I think that's a good thing. Honest friendship is a profitable thing to have. But God didn't just leave the uh, friendship in the Old Testament. He brought it on over to us today as well. And God himself lived out friendship. This one blows my mind, and I'm just going to tell you about a little story. I invite you to read it sometime. It's in the book of John, chapter 11. John chapter 11. Read the whole chapter. It'll give you the context. But we're in the middle of John, so Jesus is in his ministry, right? He's a grown adult and he's living. And remember, Jesus is not only the Son of God, but he's God in human. So God is walking around the earth doing ministry. And we come into John chapter 11, and he's with his disciples. And what's happening here is he gets some news. Jesus himself gets news in John chapter 11. One of his dear friends is ill. Lazarus. Lazarus is ill. Someone comes to Jesus and tells him that. Again, I invite you to read this story. But see, Lazarus is from Bethany, where Martha and Mary are, some other good friends to Jesus, but I'm focused on Lazarus here. And Jesus isn't there. He's out doing the work. He's not in Bethany, and he gets the message that Lazarus is sick and ill. But Jesus replies to the messenger and maybe to the crowd and the disciples, and he says, Lazarus, he's fallen asleep, but I will go wake him, is what Jesus says. 
So Jesus somewhat already knows what's about to happen, and he says, I am going to go wake him. But the story doesn't end there. It continues, and Jesus finally makes it to Bethany, makes it to Lazarus, and by the time that he makes it there, he didn't get to see his sick friend. Lazarus had been dead for four days. They had already placed him in the tomb, wrapped him up. It was concluded. He was gone. And Jesus had already said he was sleeping and he'd raise him up. He already knew what he was going to do. But after Jesus finds this out, we have the shortest verse in the Bible. We have the shortest verse in the Bible, and it's in John eleven thirty five, And it just says, Jesus wept. That's it. Continues on in the next verse, and it shares how sad he was that he lost a great friend. He already knew he was going to raise him from the dead. And it only takes a few more verses before he walks up to the tomb, rolls the stone away, and Lazarus walks out like a mummy covered in all of his clothes. Interesting story, right? But Jesus still sat down and cried because he lost a friend. Now read that and tell me that God himself does not want friendship. God himself on this earth had such a good friend that he cried when he lost him, even though he knew he was going to be coming back that afternoon. God loves friendship. God himself had friendship, and not just with Lazarus. I really think Jesus had friendship with many people in the circle, Mary, Martha, his disciples, um, and I think he was a friendly guy, if you will. But he had a deep friend in John. So I think God loves honest friendship. And I think that's great that we have it in our mission statement. So while I was wrestling with this idea a little more, I said, if God loves friendship and he made it, what am I supposed to do with that? What does that mean for me? What does that mean for you guys as Christians? Well... I think after I started thinking about it, what does it mean for the Riverton Church? I think it means this simply. We should be friendly. Is that too coy, too simple? If God made friendship and he loved it and he had friends on this earth, what should we do as Christians? We should follow his example and be friendly. Putting it too simple? Well, that's actually not that simple. Think of all the times when being a friendly person and having honest friendship is hard to do. Is it always easy for you guys? Because it's not always easy for me. What about those difficult people? I know I bring the difficult people up like once a month, but they still exist for some reason. What about the ones that are not in your circle? The ones that are not connecting so easily with you? What about the ones that actually push you away when you try and be friendly? Well, those are still the ones that we need to try and develop an honest friendship with. As a Christian, it's part of our call to be friendly because that's what Christ did. I think it's so funny to look at the stories where Christ is being bashed and trying to be trapped by the Pharisees or anyone else that's trying to get him. And he can still say he was friendly. He would still talk to them. He would still converse with them and prove them wrong in his own way, right? But he was still friendly. 
So to make an argument, just a, a short argument for why we need friendship as Christians, when we gather together to worship God, we want to be the people known as the friendly worshipers of God. The ones that would gladly invite someone in. That's what honest friendship looks like to me. But sadly, we can all think of somebody that's not a friendly Christian. Sadly, we can think of assemblies, churches, that if you'd go there, you'd say, I don't know if they're friendly. So I don't want to be those people. I want to be the one with honest friendship. And sometimes that's really, really hard. I want to be the friendly church with the friendly people, not the grumpy ones like grumpy worshipers either. What about this? Jesus even said it himself. John 15, 13 through 14. Greater love has no one than this, than someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I commanded you to do, what I command you to do. Kind of the two pieces of what I wanted to share there, right? Friends are important, and we should be friendly because Jesus was friendly. But then also he says, you will be my friend if you do what I command you. So we are to follow the example of Jesus and continue being friendly so we continue to be friendly with him. But there's one more piece of honest friendship that I want to point out today. And it's this idea of what is the purpose of friendship? I think God created and I think God lived friendship. And I think we ought to be friendly. That's just my opinion. You don't have to be friendly. But there's a purpose to it. And there's kind of two purposes that I want to point out today. The purpose of honest friendship. I think the first one is within this room. There's a reason for friendship in the church. There's a reason for brothers and sisters in Christ to be friends. And it's this right here. One quick verse you've probably heard a bunch of times. Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. Proverbs 27, 17. Why ought us as Christians be friendly with ourselves and other Christians? Well, it's to work on each other. It's to help have the rapport that I can come to a brother and say, we're going to work on this together. We both need some sharpening right here. Or a brother can come to me and say, uh, you, need to, you need to clean up on this a little bit, Harold. Vice versa, right? As friends and as Christians, we are called to help serve each other. And serving each other is helping each other to grow. That was the main word I had here. Why might we be friendly with Christians is so we can help each other grow. And that's a challenge too, isn't it? That's tough sometimes. Sometimes you're going to try and sharpen me, and I'm not going to like it. Sharpening's not fun. Can you imagine what the knife feels like? He's losing some of his skin. That's what you're going to do to me. You're going to skin me so I can grow some new. But you might not like it either. This is going to be tough. An honest friendship might be tough because it's helping each other grow. That's within the church, though. That's what we should be doing. What about to the world? Should we just be friendly in here and grumps out there? <laughs> no. I think we're called to go out. And Jesus himself would say it right here, right? Matthew 9, 35 through 38, if you want to open there. A purpose for us to have an honest friendship outside of the world is evangelism. 
It's evangelism, to put it simply. It's to bring other people to Christ and show them what they're missing, for a lack of better words. Matthew 9, 35 through 38. Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and affliction. Sounds about right for Jesus, doesn't it? When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. To put this back into my own words, I always like to do that. Jesus is doing his ministry. He's teaching and healing. And yet, he looks around the cities and the crowds, and he has compassion on them. Why? Because they're a mess. They're like sheep without a shepherd, wandering every which direction. Sheep are dumb. People are dumb. That's what Jesus is saying. He had compassion for them. He said they were harassed and helpless. And that's the same people we are. That's the same people we were, and that's what the whole world looks like. So, why should we be friends? Why should we have honest friendship? Well, we should be like Jesus and have compassion on people. If there's any way that we can slightly help the rest of the sheep not be as helpless and harassed, let's do it. Sometimes I think that our friendships in the world, we have this mindset, ah, I'm going to be friends with this guy. That guy, uh, he owns that bar, I'm going to be friends with him. And then you say, all right, here's, go talk to him, sit down with him, have a have a little bit of a friendship, and you're like, man, it's been two months, and he's not a Christian yet. Guess we're not friends anymore. No, that's not what Jesus thought. He's, he didn't have a schedule for saving people. He just saw a bunch of people that needed him. And so when it comes to us, I think the example that we should be living is sometimes you're going to be friends with people just to be friends. Sometimes you're going to be friends with people and many years of friendship turns into a, why are you the way you are? And that might turn into a saved soul. But sometimes you might go out and become friends with somebody and they want to know about Jesus right away. We're called to be lights in the dark world, not necessarily setting everything on fire, but just radiating light. And that's what I think honest friendship in the world will do. Who here wants everyone they meet to be with them in eternity? And they get all of the evil stuff taken away. Let me make that caveat. All the icky stuff's gone, and just the pure-hearted person is there in eternity. Everybody wants everyone to come, right? So even if you don't save them, honest friendship is important to being the light of the world. So friendship. It's part of our mission statement. Honest friendships right there towards the end. But it's more than just something we put on the bulletin and we put on the wall. I think it's something we should be living. Because yes, we're supposed to go make disciples of the world. But how we do that as the church, part of it is honest friendship. Why should we have honest friendship? God made it. He made it right away in the Bible. 
and he wanted it for himself and his people. Jesus had friends too. But why should we use it? Well, we should have a purpose. To sharpen each other and to go make more disciples. To radiate a little bit of light and to build each other up. So honest friendship, that's kind of what it's all about, isn't it? Teaching, friendship, all of it is there. But a big part of our mission should be this reason, to have honest friendships inside and outside of the body. That's what friendship is all about. Thank you, guys.